Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Okay, well, thank you very much. I've taken a little bit of a hiatus on the uh, on the podcasting because, uh, you know, just thinking about things and how I wanted it to progress. Um, I appreciate tremendously all of the ongoing support. And uh, we're switching the format a little bit. There will still be some interviews, um, but I'm also transitioning to providing some of my own content. So what you should hear for the next couple of podcast episodes would be more personal stuff, uh, a little bit more teaching, and hopefully different ways I can deliver value to you. As always, I really value your input And if possible, I would appreciate if you would reach out on any of the social channels uh, or just email me, rabbirupp at gmail.com or jrupp at h.edu and provide some suggestions for me of how I could better serve. And one of the things that I'm hoping you will see at this point is that we are extremely focused on living a better life. And one of the most important components of that is getting the direction and the one-on-one work that you need in order to live better. So I am a strong proponent of coaching. I do a lot of coaching myself, and I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to please do what many other people have done. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. There's no obligation to you whatsoever uh, to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And if that might not be the case, I would be thrilled to introduce you to any of the multitude of options and networks and people that I know who could provide that help. So again, please reach out via social channels, whatever it might be. I don't think I'm too hard to find. Certainly not, I hope. And, uh, and, and let me know how I could be of benefit to you. Thank you so much. Very exciting. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled. My name is Jacob Rupp. This is the uh, the Lunch and Learn. Uh, the Power Entrepreneur also is, which is an amazing resource for uh, all people in general, the Jewish people specifically, the entrepreneurs in, in all of us. Uh, by uh, uh, two wonderful people, Jacob Buscemi and Jake Rosenberg, invited me on to address uh, address a common concern, which is how do we kind of uh, bring out our inner creativity in the the world we have today. Also, a huge shout out to Todd uh, Rosenblatt and the entire H.com live, uh, live community who have been doing a, an amazing job keeping the, uh, the world connected to, to, uh, to inspiring ideas. So basically the context of this class and this discussion, hopefully it's not just a class, it's a discussion webinar if we could, is, is unlocking creative barriers because for many of us, um, there's a certain expectation. You know, we are famous and, and well known for what's called a, you know, well, there's an idea called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is, which is, you know, again, there's a million different <laughs> concepts in psychology, but one of the basic principles that we're hopefully familiar with is that when a person's most basic needs aren't being met, they're not able to actualize and utilize the higher expressions of themselves, and that's interesting. But it's also very possible that's not necessarily true. And one of the reasons why that might not be true is that you see that out of tremendous desperation, for example, again, in the, in the, in the world of the, the Jewish people, for example, um, that, that some of the greatest stuff that we've ever a- achieved has come out of 
tremendous adversity and tremendous suffering. So it's very interesting because it's like the gray area is where creativity gets lost. But usually if a person's reduced to absolutely nothing in a lot of ways, they're able to reach down inside themselves and find something that, that they didn't have before, right? Um, I, I always bounce back to, again, you could say that out of, out, of the, out of the darkness of Egypt, this happened. There's, a, there's someone that I follow named Eric Thomas who speaks about he was homeless for a very long time. And then once he was able to appreciate what it was like to be homeless, he kind of lost his fear of anything else. So it's interesting because on the spectrum <clears throat> in which we currently find ourselves. So most of us are kind of used to being, to operating, and, 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 and it's typical. It's, it's possible that we become used to operating out of a time when things are going great. And when we have everything else kind of worked out and all of our ducks are in a row and everything's taken care of, so then we can go out of our way to become creative. And the challenge, of course, with that is that our world's been turned upside down. And even if for some of us, our world has not been turned upside down, although there are plenty of people who don't know where the money is going to come from or are working very, very hard to figure out what their contingency plan is. Uh, there are other others of us who you know, are easily able to transition at home, haven't necessarily lost their business. In some cases, there's a lot of opportunities where people are actually doing better than before. And as the economy comes out of the kind of the slump that it's in right now might be, you know, looking to thrive. The reality we can all come back to is that there is a level of uncertainty and a level of, of, of disruption that we haven't seen. Again, world history, don't think so. But most of us really haven't seen this for, for our, our whole life. To say it's an unprecedented experience is, is, I think, kind of an understatement. And that's also something that's very interesting because when you go through, you know, we always think to ourselves, I was a weirdo growing up, uh, could be, I'm still now, but I would envision myself in historical circumstances. What is it like to live to, through a World War II? What is it like to, um, you know, to be at, at this place in this time in history? And, you know, the interesting thing is, as we go through an experience now that we will very likely, at least our grandkids theoretically, will be reading about this stuff in, in, in the history books, right? If they have history books in the future, who knows, right? But, but living through an epoch of time, so to speak, is that it, in a lot of ways, might even feel kind of normal. It might feel like, well, the world isn't upside down and it's just that there's a lot of uncertainty and I'm working out of my house and I'm re-examining the relationships and the people that I'm working with, but I'm like, I'm living through this crazy thing, but my life kind of feels the same. So I wanted to speak out this because it's very important. A lot of times, again, we think to ourselves that when a person is reduced to complete dependency, when a person is, is upside down and there's just nothing that they can do and they're completely at, at the whim of the elements of nature, whatever that terrible circumstance might might be. So then it's very easy for them not to worry about what to do because at the end of the day, like they can't do anything anyway. So there's a level of safety and security there. And interestingly enough, I mean, we see this in, in a lot of ways. There's a, there's a certain a syndrome, a psychological syndrome when a person's in jail that creates a certain level of safety around them. Even though no one wants to be in jail, in the jail you get three, three square meals. You know, you have, you have structure. You know what's going to be. You, have, you know, and, and, and a lot of times people that come out of that or same thing people come out of the military, you know, and they've always had a mission. It's always been kind of predetermined. You sort of know where to go and know what to do. So then when you lose that, even if the circumstances was very, very difficult, no one would want to be in jail. No one would want to be engaged in, in, in you know, violence uh, overseas. But, but the structure for so many people is a, a blanket of, of warm certainty that we can fall back on and find a lot of meaning with and, and know kind of how to go forward. And the world that we live in today 
totally different. It's completely different. And we don't have that necessarily meet that meaning. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, of course, there's a tremendous amount of economic uncertainty in the world today. Of course, if you have a business that's affected by this, or you have a business that will be affected down the road when the, the frontline businesses that are affected by this, um, you're, you're thinking about these kinds of things. You're not so sure, per se, of what's going on and what you can do. So the, 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 the premise of the, 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 the system that I'm going to set out today is how do you create this level of creativity in your life? I, I did five steps because I think it's, I think that's a, it's a good number to have, right? How do you try to rest, how to take back the level of creativity and, and control over your life in a very uncertain environment? And one of the points that I think is absolutely crucial for us to appreciate is it's an uncertain environment. You know, a lot of times people are talking about the terrible environment. A lot of times people are talking about, you know, this worst case scenario sort of situation. And, you know, I'm not, I don't work for any news agencies, so I'm not getting money to, to make you guys freak out and read papers. Um, and of course, we in no way are, are, are limiting or, or not taking into serious account the, the tremendous uh, pressure that those who have um, you know, health concerns and financial concerns and people that know people that have financial concerns and people that know people who have ter terrible health challenges, Yeah, obviously. And then for everybody else in the world, though, it's like, this isn't the worst case scenario. It's a different scenario. And the more that we appreciate that the scenarios that we have in front of us are not bad or good, but just kind of dependent upon how we look at it, um, that gives us a tremendous amount of creative control right away. So I think the first point, point number one of the five ways to kind of unleash your creativity in this crazy environment is to contextualize the conflict, to contextualize the conflict. Because oftentimes what we find is that the worst part about a conflict, the worst part about any circumstance circumstance is the stress that we impose upon ourselves, even before, even after whatever's happening, right? So I heard a very, very great uh, example in, in my life about how this works, is if you think about, if you think about a an animal that's out in the prairie, right, or in the savanna, whatever you want, a, a, a gazelle, right? And the gazelle ostensibly is much more uh, at risk, we might say, to, to risk than the average person that's living in a nice home in a suburban community, whatever it might be. But the interesting thing is that the way the gazelle experiences trauma or, or fear, like when the lion's near, the gazelle's not wandering around thinking about the lion, the gazelle can smell the lion, then when the gazelle perceives the lion, the gazelle moves and either it gets eaten or it doesn't. But the whole level of anguish that the, the gazelle doesn't live under that, that, that level of anguish. And people have a tendency to do that, and that's highly problematic. So the first very important point that a person has to think about is, can I contextualize this conflict? Can I appreciate that the worst part about it is that I'm per, per, um, projecting all kinds of terror and fear and perspectives on this challenge that might or not, might not be there. And very often we create the actual environment that we expect to create. If we think that everyone doesn't like us and then we act accordingly, you're gonna find that most people are not gonna like you. Um, I've had quite a few uh, clients and, and, and people that I speak to and people that I work with who have come to me and said, the goal is just no, don't go broke, just keep the lights on. And obviously what's gonna happen as a result of that is they're just not gonna go broke and they're gonna barely manage to keep the lights on if they're lucky, right? On the flip side, if a person says, same exact thing, and I think that a lot of industries have been really smart about this. Again, Zoom, the stock, insane. It's so huge. I forgot the, the, where it is in terms of the value of it right now, but it's like there are companies out there 
There are industries out there that are doing phenomenally well. And in the new world that comes out of this, whatever it might be, there's always going to be people. There's going to be moving money all around. There are industries that are working. And so if you are looking at it from a perspective of, you know, it's all going down and we're all going to die, the chances are your life will reflect that. However, the world is not going to reflect that because there was tremendous economic opportunity after World War II. There was tremendous times. The interesting thing about World War I, just to, I don't know why we're going so historical today, but it's nice to, to flex those muscles, I guess, a little bit of context. <clears throat> Fascinating enough, World War I, for, for, for five years, really, there was, in certain parts of, the, of Europe, the most awful, horrific circumstance that modern man cannot comprehend. You, I'm not going into it, but the, you know, you do a little bit of studying. Like the, the, the environment that people saw themselves to was a level of bar barbarism and horror that we can't comprehend, right? And then literally 30 miles away, people were living normal lives in most cases. You know, maybe a little bit less stuff, but there was like normal life going on. So it's very interesting because when we try, if we're not careful to put the, con the, the conflict into context, right? We will overgeneralize, we will sensationalize everything, we'll freak out about everything, and then our lives will reflect that level of trauma. And again, you can't help trauma, like if it happens, it happens, but if it's stuff that you're generating for yourself, then why would you generate? So point number one is to learn how do you contextualize this place, this situation that we're in. And if you contextualize it as it's different, it's unknown, it is a change. So then none of those words carry with themselves per se any level of terror, trauma, flexibility, uh, all, any of those things, right? So you can start to say to yourself, how can I be creative in a time like this? How can I go aggressive in my business at a time like this? How can I generate new ideas at a time like this? And the answer is like, well, what does it mean? What does a time like this look like? If it's the world is ending, I get it, right? But if you're telling yourself the world is changing, Right. And then people, again, just the very concept of what we're doing. Webinars were going on before coronavirus, but the the, the world of communicating online has revolutionized. And, and yeah, will it go back? Probably. But on the flip side, in a lot of ways, it won't. And in a lot of ways, this is proven, so to speak, the, the ability of technology to enhance our communication. So now you think to yourself, okay, so like maybe movie theaters aren't going to be a thing in, anymore, but what if I would create a, an environment or a, a Facebook group, we can all watch one movie at the same time together, right? That's an idea. I don't know. I'm not going to do that per se with myself, but it's an idea of how if you look at the world as just it's changing, it gets your mind thinking in creative ways. How do I live in this environment? On the flip side, if I just contextualize it as this is terrible and everything's going to go sideways, my business is going under, okay, so then, so then you, you're right, it will. Next piece, I can't stress how absolutely fundamental this piece is. There's a, an amazing psychologist out of Stanford whose name is Carol Dweck. Her name is Carol Dweck. And I was quoting her work long before I read the book. And then I read the book and I was like, this is even better than all the work I've been quoting. So Carol Dweck basically sets up a duality of the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset and, and, and basically explains how this works. The fixed mindset is created by people who experience validation for what they do and then extrapolate to who they are. So for example, if I get five A's on my math test, so then I am good at math and or I'm good at sports or I'm good at business or I am whatever it might be. You define your role as the product of what you've actually done. Now, the problem with that is that once you have identified this 
I, this, this identity, then you are extremely adverse subconsciously or consciously to going into environments that will challenge that core idea because you don't want necessarily to, 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 to upend all of your identity. So if I'm a creative writer, for example, and the reason why I say that is that I've gotten five A's on my creative writing work. So I'm a great writer. But then what happens? I don't want to push myself to create more in another direction because, thank you very much, because as a result of that, um, we, we, I might lose my, my identity. But what do we all know? That you'll never reach a point where you're world-class or even really good at something unless you're consistently pushing your your, your agenda. So uh, a famous uh, thinker that I, I happen to love, his name is Seth Godin. And so oftentimes he talks about this idea of writer's block. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a challenge for a lot of people. And he explains that if a person says, I have writer's block, he says, well, bring me all of the work that you did that's terrible. And oftentimes, or all the time, they'll come back and say, well, I didn't do terrible work because I didn't want to, that's why I was blocked. I was afraid of doing something terrible. And he says, well, the reality is if you look at any great writer, they have been producing over and over and over and over again, Bach wrote something like, I don't know, a, a hundred times what the average composer puts out in his life, right? All of the greats in any environment were consistently putting out junk. And out of the millions of pieces of junk that they put out, there were some brilliant gems there that we all know and remember. Right. So it's a fascinating thing that if I am a creative writer and that is my locked in, it in fact destroys my creativity because I'm afraid to challenge myself to go outside of my boundaries. So if it's like I can write great essays, I'm not going to try to be a poet because I might be a terrible poet and that would lose my ability to be a great creative writer because I'm not good over there. So that's that's the idea of a fixed mindset. The growth mindset on the flip side is the appreciation that what I reward myself for is the effort, not the, the outcome. So if you tell kids you are great because you work hard, so that's something where right away they can apply. And again, we're talking about kids because it's easy to look at it like that, but ourselves also, right? We show, we talk to our children, we talk to ourselves, we say, hey, you showed up and that's a really great thing. And if we can reinforce the fact that we're not intrinsically good at anything, but with enough effort, we'll get significantly better than we were when we started. So ultimately, there's no environment, no economic environment, no social environment, no situational environment where we cannot get better at whatever skills we're trying. A, a, a great example, right, is that, you know, all the gyms shut down. So now, whereas we might have been used to a weightlifting schedule, now we're kind of home unless you have your home gym, which, you know, it's a good idea to have, I guess, now you see it, right? A lot of us are home with the bands, right, and the, and, the, and, and, and the body weight exercises. And if a person says to themselves, wow, I'm a great power lifter, because I can lift a lot of weights. So they're not going to go downstairs and try the body lift of the bands because they say, well, you know, I don't want to lose my identity that I'm a great athlete. On the flip side, they say, well, I learned how to lift heavy weights and I'm going to have to learn how to lift my own weight, so to speak, or I'm going to have to use bands or I'm going to have to use other kinds of activities. So then they're going to be able to transfer that growth mindset that fitness will always go with them, not the specific type of fitness they've done in the past. So that's the idea of a fixed versus a growth mindset. So again, if you think that my um, my my root essential uh, value in the world is, you know, I'm really good at, again, what's an industry that's for sure falling apart right now? Um, let's think. 
Let's think, uh, you know, uh, I run a great hotel. I run a great hotel, right? So then you might look at the world and you say, I can't open more hotels. I can't open it. My hotel right now is empty. No one's coming to visit, right? But if you have the mindset that I'm a great entrepreneur or I'm a great person that learns a lot or I have a wonderful network. So no matter what environment you find yourself in, you always go back to those root fundamentals and are able to go out of your way then to continue to grow no matter what environment you're in. So again, you know, I, I, again, then this is a fascinating idea that, that, oh boy, I read that book. I don't remember what it's called, but there's a, a certain concept, right? You look at the, at the great, you know, business failures in history, the blockbusters, the Kodaks, right? At times when people were able to, you know, these people were, were so above and beyond in terms of resources, in terms of talent, in terms of growth, than, than any of the nearest com- competitors. But what they did was they, they, they forgot what business they were in. I believe this is Simon Sinek, but I'm not entirely sure. I apologize. I'll add it in later, right? I think it's the infinite. Yeah, it's, it is. Simon Sinek, the infinite game. So, so the concept is they forgot they were in a process. Initially, the, the Kodak, um, Kodak, Mr. Whoever the guy started Kodak was, was able to make um, professional photography something that the person at home could do. So as the technology developed, right, he would be able to, the digital technology is like, duh, right? Like it's so much easier and it's so obvious for us to see and for us to look at the world, you know, of course, hindsight being 2020. But what Kodak thought they were in the business of is just creating the, the cameras themselves and forgetting the, the first thing that they had come up with, right? So because they had that fixed mentality, oh, we just make cameras, right? They missed the massive opportunity, which ended up making them close down of, of helping the individual take and have more ability to capture moments in their life. Does that make sense? So it's a fixed versus a growth mindset. The growth mindset person is never affected by the economy, never affected by any of these kinds of issues, simply because they always see that what they have that's valuable is their ability to grow and their ability to create. So point number one is contextualize your environment. Point number two is the growth versus the fixed mindset. Now, and this is a a separate piece, but you could potentially say it's 2A. I'm calling it number three, just to be completely candid, right? Um, That, that, that there is an idea of an abundance mindset and there is a, a an idea called a scarcity mindset. So what is the difference of that? You're thinking growth versus fixed. No, it's a little bit different. The growth, the growth versus a fixed mindset is how we look at ourselves, right? And the abundant versus the limited mindset is how we look at the economics and the resources of the world. Now, this is very interesting because this deep down uh, reaches a point uh, of, 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 so to speak, a masculine view and a feminine view. So there's an amazing uh, entrepreneur named Sarah Blakely. She started a company called Spanx. And as far as I know, she is the only female self-made billionaire or the first female self-made billionaire. I'm not exactly, no, can't be because Kylie Jenner also, right? But she was before Kylie Jenner. So she was the first female self-made billionaire. And it was because of the company of Spanx. Beautiful uh, economic uh, uh, entrepreneurial story. But one of the fascinating pieces that I remember her saying was that when she was building her company, she did not want to build a male company. She wanted to build a female company. And very often male companies, we think like traditional male industries, right? Whatever it might be, it's, it's cutthroat. It's how do I rise to the top? It's how do I step on everybody else? How do I crush the competition? How do I dominate? Fascinating. I, I just finished another amazing book by Chip Wilson who started Lululemon, who was basically explaining that all of sports apparel for the majority of the of the time before Lululemon exploded onto the scene was that same concept. It was built for men and men want their logos huge on their chest because it represents, oh, I'm Under Armour. And again, we remember the early branding of Under Armour, like it was the football athletes and I want to crush everything or the ideal iconic um, uh, I, um, um, 
influencer who promotes Under Armour is The Rock. He has this whole line of, of fitness uh, uh, material, um, you know, all the clothes, The Rock and all that stuff. It's all Under Armour stuff, right? Because when I wear The Rock's outfit, when I go in the gym, it's, you know, it's like the rent, you know, rents do every day or whatever it might be. Uh, these like very masculine, crush your environment, crush everything, you know, and men relate to that in a lot of ways. I, or maybe I'll, I'll just speak candidly. I'll re I relate to that a lot. Now, the flip side is what Sarah Blakely was talking about is this abundance mindset that I don't have to become great in spite of you. I can become great with you. And I can, and if you look at how the world is turning now with a lot of the more intuitive and creative environments, we are adopting a abundant mindset that my success does not have to come at the expense of you. In fact, it will come if I'm able to draw you up. Again, it's not a win-lose, it's a win-win. How do we both create value for ourselves? Um, and how do we how do we assist and help each other? And so if a person says, and again, this this is this is now very common in in the business psychology um, uh, lexicon, but but it's a, it's a Jewish idea initially. Is that if you if in in a world of God and a world of 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 divine intervention and control over the world, there's an infinite amount to go around. The pie is infinitely big. A person is never going to reach a point in their life where they where they will run out of resources. And again, you see this. It's debated in the scientific community. It's debated all over the place, but. People that win are people that feel that there is an abundance of resources. And if I can operate and I can make that shift from being scared to being excited, and if I can make that shift to say that there's an infinite amount to go around, again, there's not 10 clients in the world that we're all fighting for, but it's like there's an infinite number of clients, then it allows me to sit back, it allows me to think, what does my ideal client look like? Because I can appreciate that there is an abundance, an infinite number of clients. So the very fact, again, this is a big mind mindset shift that a lot of times holds people back is that we look out there in the environment and because we operate from a fixed mindset necessarily or from a, a, a place of scarcity, we see someone who comes along and does something that we're interested in doing. Robert, uh, Robert Greene talks about this in um, Mastery, uh, another great book, but one of the points that Robert Greene speaks about is that Mozart, who, who was a, you know, obviously one of the greatest classic, piano, uh, classic uh, create, uh, creator composers in the world, um, was at a place where when he would hear the other music that was coming out, he was unable to, he would like go in a dark place, he'd lock himself in a dungeon, he couldn't even touch music, right? Because it's like, that's not music. And, and, and I can't be involved with that. And for a lot of us that, that we, um, as, as we go into the, um, the world of, of, of business and commerce, oftentimes we'll see someone come out with, with a similar product. Right, or we'll see an influencer that comes out with a similar message. You know, God knows. Like I think to myself, I'm I'm a rabbi. I want to take Torah messages and apply it to the business world. And then you you know you think, well, there's John Maxwell, and you're like, well, that's been done, and it's been done a heck of a lot better than I'll ever do. Or Harvey McKay, or um, no, he, uh, all of the you know Garrett White, or all of these guys. You know, there's there's in every single industry we look on a broad scale, there's already someone who's doing what we want to do in a lot of ways better, or they have more resources, or they have more whatever it might be. And if we look at that, we have the tendency to step back and say, well, there's already a pianist in this town. There's already a caterer in this town. There's already sports apparel that's being done for this sport, whatever it might be. And therefore, I'm not going to even try. But if you switch to that abundance mentality, what you appreciate is that ultimately the only thing that's limited, the only thing that is unique, and, and, and the only thing of which there is scarcity is you. 
and your resources and your mindset and 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 what you bring to the world and in, in a positive way it's like i see the world fundamentally different than everybody else so just practically speaking as the example if i say well i'm not going to go into business coaching as a spiritual leader because john maxwell's there and he's doing it better than me well how can i differentiate myself well there's a bunch of ways let's do an easy thing he's a he's a pastor or a, or a priest or a minister i'm a rabbi so that's just one thing right there and then someone else can say well i'm an imam and i can go out and do the same thing right so it's like you can have your own special niche of people that naturally gravitate more to you. Maybe it's because you have a different religion or maybe because you look a certain way. Um, there's a million rabbis out there for me in the, in the rabbinic world. But, so I'm like, well, you know, why go online or why why even try to influence people because there's already a million different rabbis. And it's like, well, no, you look different and you talk different and you had different experiences. So if you go from that abundance mentality, you realize that there's an infinite amount of possibilities out there. And the more creative you become, the better you are at reaching that perfect customer, client, individual, etc. So it's it's a complete shift that if you think about it and you see, and again, this is even more beautiful, is that when you see, and this goes deep in, in all of these different, Gabby Bernstein will tell you this one, uh, she's great, uh, will we'll tell you the, the following, it's like, if you see someone who's doing what you want to do, the natural human reaction is, well, that jerk, they got there first, or they suck, or they're not as good as me, or I hope they fall in there, you know, slip on a banana peel and, you know, fall off the edge of the earth, or whatever it might be, right? And, and the flip side is, what that ultimately ends up creating for yourself is a distance between who you want to be and yourself right now, because you're actually like, you're creating all kinds of negative tension that pulls you away from what you want to be. And so the flip side would be that if you see someone who's doing what you want or has what you want, you see someone that's, you know, you want the, you know, 2020, uh, you know, Porsche Panamera, a uh, turbo, right, of course, and you see your neighbor gets it. So the natural way we might think about it is, well, that jerk, right, he, I, I, hope he, I hope he crashes the car, right, God forbid. But but what the, the right way to look at, because what do you do that you are, the, the negative of that is you're cementing yourself as someone that doesn't have that car, and you're angry with the people that do have that car. So of course, you're going to be, be, you know, like pushing that out. On the flip side, if you tell yourself, I am so thrilled, and you have to mean it deep inside, which is a lot harder, right, but I am so thrilled that this person has the car, right? With the same IC, I'm not sure what that means. We have a question, I'm trying to, uh, whatever it might be, I'm trying to understand it. Um, if, when we see someone who has the same thing that we want, if we bless them and we say, I, great, I hope you have it, I hope you I have you 10 of them, you know, I hope you you get, whatever it is, get nice, I hope you I hope you can, you get bigger rims on that car, right? And you, you genuinely, you wanna bring that blessing out there, so then that allows you to appreciate what they have, draw that closer to you, and to, and to create that kind of things that you're putting out in the world. So when you see people doing what you want, right, it's two things. First of all, you want to, uh, ideal client, thank you. Yes, exactly, right? So so when you see someone who has your ideal client, it shows you not, I missed the, I messed the boat, I missed the boat, but it is evidence that the ideal client is out there, right? It's evidence of the fact that what you want is there and you just have to go get it. A lot of times I'll be consulting with a with a company and they'll and they'll say, you know, if only we could have someone that would that would buy us out. You know, that would be fantastic. And they're in like so much um um uh, pain, frankly, because they don't feel like they have that validation. And then as soon as one person shows up and offers to buy it, I'm always quick to tell them, this doesn't mean that they were the right deal for you. It just means that what you want is out there and you have to be happy about that. So if you see someone that has what you want or you see an industry that exists, if you see someone speaking about a topic that you're passionate about that you thought you were unique in the marketplace with, right? So that's just evidence that what you have and what you want is 
what people care about and what people want. So you should, that's the, that's the third point. So point number one is, you know, you, you want to contextualize the concept, the conflict. Point number two is you want to adopt a growth mindset. Point number three is that you want to see the world of abundance versus the world of scarcity. Point number four is, and again, now essentially what we've done is we've taken you, we've we've taken the, uh, you know, you want to think about a jet, we've pushed you out from the, the hangar, now you're sitting on the runway, and now the, the engines are, are spooling up, and you're ready to hit, you're ready to hit and take off, right? So then what do you need is you need self-compassion. You need self-compassion because, as I mentioned earlier, when you go out and when you try to create, when you go out and you try to you know, go online if that's what you want to do, or bring out your message to the world, or draw, or or paint, or speak, or whatever you want to do. You have your product, you want to get it out there. You have to have a tremendous amount of self-compassion because the process to being great is that you're going to fail a bunch. And it should not in any way deter you. So I have a, a tendency. I'm a, I'm a hyper... Um, I have all kinds of problems, but you know, one one of the main problems for me is that um, I'm I'm very fast, and so if I can't solve something quickly, so I I always and again, is it a superpower? In a lot of ways, it has been a superpower for me. Is it a negative? Absolutely, it's a negative. So one of the things for me is that I never need to prepare any time, anything, anywhere. And I feel like the preparation kills my ability to be creative. So when I speak to someone, when I'm coaching, when I'm speaking in front of a group, right now, I'm 1000% in, in the mode. Do I have anything left in the bank? I have no idea. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know what I'm gonna say in five minutes. I have no idea where it's gonna go. And, and at the end, in a lot of ways, I can't look at my own work because it was such a a, a momentary snapshot. It was so alive that by me going back and editing the work that I do or or marketing the work that I do, what happens is it kills it and it kills me and it makes me feel, it's like I'm staring at my own vulnerability and it's super hard. So I don't know if that's a common experience that people have, not sure, it could be it's just my own craziness, but what I what is a very big challenge for me then is when I write because when I speak I can just be completely present but when I write also I'm fairly you know not planning anything that I come up with but it takes me time because also I I have kind of an active mind and so I'll give I'll, I'll, I'll I don't even know where to start my my story and so for a very long time it was very hard for me to be able to um, share just start to write. Because what, what happened was, yes, thank you. What happened was I would sit for a long time and I would, and I would like erase and it would be hard to start now. I would just kind of get up and I'd get coffee and whatever it might be. Now what I do it I've already put in to my schedule when I sit down to write, I assume that my first page, my first paragraph is I'm going to get rid of it anyway. So then I'm like, well, if you're in a way getting rid of it, you might as well just sit down and do it because of course it's going to suck, right? So that's totally fine. So the idea is having that self-compassion that you can fall on your face an infinite amount of times in order for you to continue to get your message out. Right, so that's also really, really good because if you know, again, this was a this was a very expensive lesson I paid for, but it was a it was a, br a brilliant lesson. Was that my, I had a coach, and my coach was telling me, "Let's get ready to do this," and I'm like, "Whoa, I am not ready for that. I'm not ready to put myself out there. I'm not ready to X, Y, and Z." And he said, "Okay, no problem. Let's get ready to get ready." Right, so instead of you're not getting ready to do this, you're just going to get ready to get ready to do this. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I think I can get ready to to get ready." Um, so that was the that was the, uh, the 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 lesson, practically speaking, that I got from from this coach. So you have to learn how to get ready to get ready in all of the endeavors that you have, which ultimately means you have to have self compassion for the work that you're doing. Because when you go out there and you try really hard to put something out to do a new endeavor, you're going to fail. And so if you have this failure adversity, you're never going to get out. It's never going to work. It's 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 an issue. And then it's self compassion, a thousand percent self compassion. 
Because if you don't have that self-compassion, if you don't have that ability to say, it's okay what I did and all that kind of stuff, as a result, you're going to fall essentially flat on your face and you're never going to have the wherewithal or the passion or the ability to get up and to keep pushing forward. Make sense? Again, classic, I'll just give you a straight, easy example, you know, uh, health and fitness. Health and fitness, a person looks at themselves in the mirror, looks down, you know, they're, they're falling all over themselves, they're, they're muffin topping, the muffin tops around their ankles, they, you know, they can't imagine, they hate looking at themselves in the mirror, not that I've ever been there before, I've been there before plenty of times, and they, they resolve, I want to change my life, I want to, I want to change my life, I want to be better, right? And so then they, they eat healthy for a couple of days, but then let's say they don't exercise as much as they want, or, or you know, Shabbos comes, Shabbos for every Jewish person watching this, it's like, you know, the biggest challenge in a lot of ways or Pesach. It's like, oh my gosh. And so it's not your ability to eat a perfect plan all the time. It's your ability not to beat yourself up when you fall off the horse so that you can just get back on the horse. I'm always on the horse. Oh yeah, I fell off. I fell off. Big deal. I'm back on the horse. Because we all know it's not the it's even it's not the 10 meals in a row that screw you up over the course of the months that you're on a diet, so to speak, or or the lifetime that you're on. Again, that's really the ultimate thing is we see that the diet culture is not working. That's why it's such a multi-billion dollar industry is because it's completely unsustainable. So ultimately, what you have to do is put yourself on a path of eating healthy for life. And you're like, oh my God, I can be healthy for you know a week, a day maybe, but no way in the world am I able to be healthy for more than that, right? Or or for, for, for a long period of time. It's like, no, man. Those people are always going to be up and down scaling. If a person says, I want to eat healthy for life, it has to allow the ability for you to fall off the horse and get back on it. That's it. Ask any, ask any, ask any health specialist you want to ask. But, you know, it's like maybe sometimes Olympians, when they're trying to get their body fat down to, I don't know, 7 to 10%, maybe you can't have that many of a cheat meals, right? But for the average human being, it's like, just have compassion for yourself, do the best you can. And when you screw up, not a big deal, get back on, try it again, stop the, stop the negative voices. Finally, finally, so again, Going, I'm going through it again. You want to contextualize the conflict. You want to have a growth mindset. You want to have an abundance mindset. You want to have self-compassion. And the final thing is you want you want scheduled execution. Scheduled execution. So what that essentially means is that you want to put on your calendar what you're going to do. So again, if you're looking to write, if you're looking to launch that business, if you're looking to launch a new sales funnel, if you're looking to make sales calls, so you cannot leave that nebulous. And so what it, again, whatever you want, like figure out when you want to do it. But let's say again, had a had a wonderful uh, a wonderful person today was to who was talking about launching a podcast. Great. I love it. He's amazing. Right. But what I say to him, when are you getting it launched? He said, I don't know. I said, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, and I said, before we even talk about launching that podcast, let's go back and let's say, what are, when, let's schedule all the steps that you want in order to launch that podcast. Right. So if it's like your launch date is such and such a place, when do you have to start reaching out to guests? When do you start having to have your first stuff recorded? When do you want to tell the marketing people that they should start pushing the marketing, right? So if you break down and schedule the execution, then you can have an idea of when it's going to go. And then ultimately, you're not left kind of hanging on, um, hanging on, right, totally, right? It's, it's That's the hardest thing for anyone who's doing creative and artistic work is, is scheduling it. So again, you're not going to schedule when you write the, 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 you know, the screenplay that gets picked up that becomes the Academy Award. But again, this is a Jerry Seinfeld thing where he talks about that he would have to write comedy for an hour a day and they would just put an X on the board, right? So, so on his, on, and, and he became successful because he just able to fill up his calendar with X's. And so it's important for you to realize, like, what is your X? Like, how do you put an X for whatever you want to accomplish? So for example, for me, Practically speaking right now, fitness is a big thing. I, 
I having to rethink everything. I've never been a walker or a runner. I've, I'm, I'm a weightlifter. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, do, I do bodybuilding and I do, I do combat sports and I'm not doing bodybuilding or combat sports right now. Right. So it's like, what can I do? I'm like, well, we live in Minnesota. Thank God there's beautiful lakes. I'm going to go out. I'm going to run. I'm going to walk. Right. So for me, my ex is that, you know, whatever, three, four five times a week, I want to be out. I want to be walking around lakes so that I can get that, get that fitness regimen going. I just got to be able to put an X. Does that make sense? You got to schedule the execution. You don't know when the sales funnel that you build or the client that you've been pursuing is going to close the, the you know, is going to close with you or it's going to take off where you want. But you definitely could be sure that from 8 to 9 a.m. or from 9 to 10 a.m., I'm going to be contacting potential leads. I'm going to be working on my script. I'm going to be recording that webinar. I'm going to be going live, all that kind of stuff. And in, in because you have that down, it's not about willpower at all because willpower always fails. I don't know if you're aware of that, but now you are, right? Willpower always failure. Um, and and you as a result, you have to take it out of your willpower and you just have to get it on the calendar. The more specific, the better. Again, break down the pieces. I have a client that's trying to sell their company and they have to get the money to sell the company or I'm sorry, they're trying to get an investor to give the money so they can acquire a new company. So that is a, that that's a date right? where the investor needs to know uh, whether or not uh, I'm sorry, where they need to know whether or not they have the money to buy to acquire the new company. And so that's and that's 30 days away. And I said, well, you know, you can't just put that 30 days on the calendar. We have to break down what are the steps and we have to break it down to as as close in this small time windows as we have to, to the extent where we know, you know, 15 days out, what do you have to have done? 20 days out, what do you have to have done? Five days out, what do you have to get done? It, to, to a bottom line of well, what has to happen today in order for you to get to that goal where you want to be at the end of the 50 day, at the end of the 30 days. So again, I'm going to go back. I'm going to recapitulate. Then I'm going to I'm going to leave. And it, it's it's a tremendous honor. I appreciate any of you that stayed with me and watched this. I hope I delivered value for you. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity again to Jake and Jacob uh, and the Power Entrepreneur and H.com slash live for giving me this platform. I hope I've I've, I've, I've delivered on this and be able to provide some value, but going again, the five, the five ways to unlock your creativity in these challenging times, which again, we said was a, kind of a misnomer. Point number one, contextualize the concept, the, the conflict. It's not, it's not what, it, don't, don't make this be the end of the world. And it's in, and it's not right. The world will always go on. There's always a tomorrow, even in the depths of the concentration camps of which this is not, we should make no <laughs> expectations or no one should think that this is what, is what it is. It's not the same, but even in the depths of every horrible human experience, the people that have had hope that tomorrow is going to be better, they don't know when it is, they don't know how it's going to be, but they have that hope in humanity, they have that hope in the future. Those are the people they were able to get out and build. So we have to have that same level of hope in humanity and hope in the future and not that same level of like crazy nonsense that the, that the news is stuffing down our throats. This is the end. This is the end, right? Because at the end of the day, they're walking home with paychecks because you're clicking on all their stuff so much. So they're winning now, right? So you need to win now. So you need to take back that authority from them and you have to have hope in the future. That's that's point number one. Point number two, you have to develop the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. Reward yourself for the things that you work hard on in the present. So I'm a person that will work hard on something. I'm not great at anything. I'm just great at working hard, right? The third point is to realize that there is infinitely enough to go around. Your ideal client is out there. Even if your neighbor has the ideal client that you you want it, there's a, there's a second one for you. There's there's 25 more for you. There's a million more for you, right? The fact that you see someone else giving over your message or someone doing what you do in your industry, very similar to you, good. It means there's a demand for your product. Rock musicians, it's like, well, we already had Kiss, so what do we need Guns N' Roses for? It's like, no, we need both, right? And 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 we need more, and every single person is different and unique. Um, 
the, the third point, the fourth point, I'm sorry, is self-compassion. Now that you realize that there's an infinite amount of opportunities and I'm someone that works hard and can go forward and this is a great opportunity, I have to appreciate that I'm going to fail a ton. I have to be thrilled with that opportunity. And I have to realize that nothing great happens if I don't, if I don't fail. So put the failure into the work that you do and appreciate it. And then finally, you have to schedule your execution, which is that you have to put onto your clock, put onto your calendar when you're going to do the things that you care about. And, and if you don't, Put it on the calendar. Don't get mad at yourself for not doing it because your willpower will never win. So don't trust your willpower. Trust yourself. Trust your ability to schedule. And then, you know, again, if you want 5A, find an accountability partner. Tell your wife, tell your friend, tell your, you know, your kids, whatever you want. You know, I want to execute on this. Grab a coach, uh, that, which is huge. You know, it's like I just need someone to call and to check on me so that I can stay on my health plan because I don't want to be accountable to myself. So find that accountability for your, for yourself so that you can make sure that you are becoming the person you want to be. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. Um, we are going in as Jews. Uh, we are going to the wonderful holiday of Passover, which is a time when we literally celebrate this exact thing that's happening, which is that we are in uh, difficult straits and, and, and God redeems us with unbelievable uh, compassion and gives us an entire new um, life, frankly, a new mission. And it's a time of tremendous renewal and tremendous opportunity. And we just have to plug into that and ride that wave and, 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 and appreciate this is all happening for us, not to us, and it's our opportunity. And with that mindset, your creative uh, juices may they may they flow uh, abundantly. Thank you so much again for tuning in. I profoundly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We're done. Finally. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up. And also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.